Hey there, Tina Rexing. I'm not a PhD. I'm not a psychologist. Tell me about your problems. I'm not even an MBA. Hey, your PNL is really lacking synergy. <laughs> I'm someone who muscled my way through roles in corporate America. Then one day, I unapologetically took the leap, launched T-Rex Cookie Company. Oh my God, what was I thinking? Does that make me an expert on how to start a business? Nope. Now let's get your big girl and big boy pants on and lift the lid on the Cookie Jar Confessionals. Hello, listener. Yes, I'm talking to you. Maybe you're new here, which is a bummer because we're just finishing the season. So go back and listen to the first 19 episodes. Go, go on, go listen to it. We have had some fun moments, useful conversations, and good laughs since we started this podcast. You already know Cookie Jar Confessionals for its unapologetic takes on small business, eating, life advice, maybe a few things that cause Apple to list our podcast as explicit. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've always looked at T-Rex as a journey that all of you are on. So let's keep going on that ride. Toot toot. And now, a story. Let's turn the page on the next chapter. How <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't supposed to say that. I would be a bad person <laughs> if I did not acknowledge all the people that kind of impacted the growth of this company from the very beginning, even if good, bad, or indifferent, even the people that completely pissed me off and kind of like felt, I felt like they threw me under the bus, they unknowingly probably played a pretty decent role in my growth. It wouldn't be a good story if it was just me growing this company. It's a better story because, you know, it was the people at the farmer's market who bought their first cookie and seven years ago, and they're still buying the cookies today. And, it, and to them, it's essentially the same product and the evolution of T-Rex cookie where they bought the cookie at the farmer's market from me and my mom to them being able to go to the grocery store and take it out of the freezer and make it at their own house. I mean, they can see and remember, like, remember when we used to buy these cookies at the farmer's market? It really validates the super late nights and the super early mornings and the literal blood, cutting the tip of my finger off, <laughs> um, sweat and tears that this this company has caused me to have um, is really worth it because these people really appreciate that kind of work ethic that I put behind growing the company. Um, I'm going to pick out some of the favorite situations, moments of the podcast that, you know, if you're one of those like people who don't want to sit and listen to the whole episode, I'll let you skip around. Let's, let's dive in to the highlights of Cookie Jar Confessional Season 1, shall we? <sighs> I really liked the conversation with my brother. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on too to talk about, you know, you can tell that we knew each other, first of all. He is my brother. Our entrepreneur journey, watching our parents, um, I think growing up 
And I think this is true for the immigrant community is that, you know, you get the American dream, you start your own business, you grow it, and then and then at some point you're like a gazillionaire. But I think that really gave a lot of insight to people. And I'm I'm saying this because of some feedback I've gotten from some listeners are like, I really love that conversation with you and your brother because I didn't know that about you. The older I got in my in my twenties, I'm just thinking, oh, I'm 22, 23, 24. I'm like becoming an adult. I, I did the math and realized that when mom and dad moved to the United States... They were 25 or 26. 25, 26, moving across the world with a child. When I was 26, I was still trying to figure out what I was doing and trying to figure out how to fill out a form for an application or something like that. I can't imagine the weight that they carried moving across the world with a child not even seeing snow ever. You know what? Uh, stuff wasn't handed to us growing up. The The observation of watching my parents struggle through what, everything they struggled through hopefully gave the listeners some insight in terms of like what, what developed and how did I develop the grit? As I got into my 30s, just thinking about, okay, I think it's tough, but I can't imagine what this was like being in my 30s at a new job in a new country. You know, it's so there's a part of it where mom and dad never sat me down and say, here's what I learned when we moved across the world. I just had to sit and think contextually, man, they do have grit. T-Rex cookie just didn't like appear out of nowhere. (laughs) There was a fair amount of work and grit that I learned from my family. Okay, so this is the... Ending, this is how I usually end my podcast because since this is cookie jar confessional, <laughs> God, this makes me laugh. if you had to confess a time or act where you broke a rule, pushed a boundary to make your business ideas happen, what would that be? I probably slept with my, my banker. <laughs> <laughs> And that was David Fema. Okay. I, I that was not the my, answer that I was it. looking for. <laughs> that's all you're going to get. That is my favorite answer because it was, a, it was his secondary answer after prodding him. And after 19 episodes where I ask the same question to every guest, every guest, I don't know if it's because we're in Minnesota and people don't want to talk about things that are like relatively risque or like more fun confessionals. That one by far sticks out in my mind because, well, it was a hilarious answer. And if you guys go back and listen to the full episode of with, I think it was episode three with David Fema, and that whole episode is about failure. And just to understand, like, to him, he bounced back from all these challenges and failures that he's had, and he's still around. I've always worked with people who have what I call high-intensity jobs. So that's often been combat veterans, first responders, police officers, ER physicians, people who have like shit going down at work. So based on some feedback I've gotten from listeners, the most helpful episode for them as an audience were a couple. One was with Sherry Walling. Uh, regarding mental health. And one of the things that makes entrepreneurship so hard is that you're putting so much of yourself into your business. And Heather Welpley, when we talked about imposter syndrome. And even just recognizing that you are experiencing imposter syndrome and that it's normal and lots of other people experience it, even just knowing that and naming it when it comes up is 
really powerful and really helpful for people. Um, then just practicing some of that self-compassion, like this is normal. This is okay. I'm not going to judge it. I'm going to get curious about what I'm feeling. And even just like putting, you know, a hand on your stomach and taking a deep breath. And, you know, there's a lot of power in those things. Then one of the pieces that I found really helpful, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this too, because I know you've experienced imposter syndrome is as a business owner, reminding myself of the real evidence. So my brain is automatically like when I experience imposter syndrome, because I absolutely do and experience it way more as a business owner than I ever did in my corporate job. I didn't experience it really hardly at all in my corporate job. And I experienced it pretty frequently as a business owner. And in particular, as portraying myself as an expert in imposter syndrome, which is like the biggest irony ever, right? Is that I'm experiencing imposter syndrome about teaching on imposter syndrome. That mixed with actually being successful is such a conundrum as a person. You're like, how can I possibly be be successful? But at the end of the day, I lay in bed going, what am I doing? So it's such a weird dichotomy of feelings uh, that you think you're a fraud, but you're su- a successful fraud. <laughs> Have you, do you remember some fetal position moments for yourself as you were launching into what you're doing now? Oh, absolutely. I think anyone who's an entrepreneur and myself included, you're always doing a lot of things that you've never done before or that you're just not that comfortable with. So I'm really good at being a psychologist. I'm not that good at writing copy. I'm not that good at like keeping up with my email list. I'm not that good, frankly, at even like doing billing. Like there's just lots of things that go along with my chosen vocation that I'm just not, it's not natural to me. I'm not practiced in it. I think from an audience perspective, having listened to that conversation gave people some insight on if you're a small business owner feeling these things, it's not just you. It happens to everybody and just helping people find ways and tips and tricks of how to navigate uh, addressing mental health because people generally don't know how. People think that, oh, I have to go get a therapist. But I think just hearing the story that I struggle through it, other people struggle through it, and it's normal. We need to normalize the fact that people struggle mentally and there's ways to to address it, whether you get it a therapist or whether you um, just talk to your friends about how you're feeling. It's totally fine and normal. But you don't have to be confident in order to take action. So I think of it instead of like fake it till you make it, it's more about finding that 2% inside of you that believes it's possible or that knows you can do the thing. <laughs> The guest that I think had the most fascinating story was Jill Pavlik of The Urban Growler. If things just kept falling into place and we thought, and people just kept showing up, like if, some, if we hit a, a roadblock, it was temporary and we would find, we had people pulling for us and helping us. Uh, just to have us talk about the struggle she and her partner had going from bank to bank to bank and each time they were denied, regardless of like, they were award-winning business plan writers and you know they had the the skill set of starting a brewery but shedding some light on the amount of discrimination bias that exists in um, banks to this day so then we go to the banks and the first one two or three that denied us were like okay well maybe we're just 
maybe we we should dress like brewers versus wearing suits or something, you know. Or what do then, brewers dress like? Uh, like brewers shirts, you know, the collar with. I'm thinking the like buttons. bowling shirts, like dicky shirts. Oh or, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like bowling shirts. Yeah, bowling shirts, combat boots. Yeah, just look a little yeah. more disheveled. We maybe look too like neat Put together, or something. Yeah. yeah. So we tried that again. Now we're looking a little schlockier and denied, denied, denied. And then we start asking more, like we would ask questions like, well, what is it? And then clearly some of them never read the business plan or they would have read it and they'd say things like, well, um, how will you girls keep those late night hours? Um, and, or things like you're married. What if you get divorced? And I thought, would you ask that of a heterosexual, a sexual couple? We'll have this figured out, you know, bags of grain are heavy. How will you gals handle those big, heavy bags oh my of God, grain? I lose my mind. We did. I now Deb, if you've never met Deb, she is a strong looking woman. And there were times I thought she was just going to flip that conference table over. <laughs> there is some sweet Justin, justice in all of this. I was invited to do the to let um, all the banks in the Midwest region hear our story at their awards ceremony. So that that felt really. Did you call them good. out one by one? <laughs> uh, I could see people shrinking in their chairs, but um, we did get our loan through a farmers bank out of Mankato, Minnesota. Sure. So nothing near us, nothing in the metro, but a farmers bank out of Mankato, Pioneer Bank, and we've been loyal to them ever since. Even though that that episode was really not about kicking the door down with the cards of hey, I'm a woman, hey, I'm a minority, hey, I'm LGBTQ, you know, those aren't the cards we wanted to play, but the struggles we we have just getting those simple things like financing. Uh, as a small business owner? I mean, a lot of people don't know. I've had probably 25, 30 different jobs. So the episodes that made me the most curious. I've been a lifeguard. I've been... Were two episodes. Um, and they were what we call influencers in the in the world. Uh, ben Tolect was one of them. Uh, he has like almost 10 million followers on TikTok. It's tough because some of my videos take 20 minutes some of my videos take two hours, um, and that's not even talking about like a long. Well, you're form almost video. like an artist, right? Or you are an artist. Yeah. Let's call it that because mm-hmm. because you're essentially trying to create something out of nothing. Yep. Right, and sometimes uh, inspiration can strike you when you're taking a shower. Yeah, for sure, and it does actually. I will literally walk out of the shower, get an idea for a TikTok, film it right there on the spot, and yeah, it, it can happen out of nowhere. It's because it, like, it, let's look at a, a recording artist, right? Like a musical artist. And they come out with an album and then they go on tour for a couple months. And then they don't really have to do anything until they come out with another album or they go on tour again. Um, content creators like myself in this day and age, it's every day. I have to come out with a new piece of content. I don't have to, but I'm going to grow more if I do. Talking to him was so fascinating just because of that journey of like, what prompted you to do what you're doing and having um, that kind of followership in in social media? So that was one of the most curious episodes, followed by Lindsay Moser, who is a muckbanger. And I was more curious about the mechanics of like, how do you shove that much food in your mouth and not choke? It's just like so ultra comforting to have like really big bites. So people like, I think that that's probably like one of the things you're asking is like, how do you take... Big bites because that's like choke. a big thing. I'm feeling like 
Because you people know, people are a, worried. They're always like, "Oh my god, I'm so worried you're going to choke. How are you not choking? I would choke." Yeah. Blah blah blah. Those are super interesting episodes, not just for me, but I hope the listeners, because it's like when you watch uh, people who are influencers on social media. There's just so many more questions behind behind watching them. How do they make it work? And I think that I I am actively trying to push the boundaries of what a mukbang can be, mm-hmm. you know, to expand people's horizons and to hopefully encourage people to do it in a healthier way, you know, that you don't need to, you know, stuff your face on camera to be entertaining and to provide value. I think the best business advice and I, is what I got from Chris Lindahl. One thing that I've learned about, you know, a lot of the naysayers and doubters that are out there is that um, when you haven't been in someone else's shoes, you think it looks a lot different than it really does, right? And so there's a lot of people that that, that judge who I am, that judge who our company is and, and what we are doing. So everyone knows Chris as being like on the billboards and just out there. He's... Now doing the Lindahl on TV, he's everywhere. Uh, And his whole idea is that because you're talking about him, good, bad, or indifferent, his marketing is working. You know who he is. I feel like the, the one of the number one enemies is comparison, right? You start comparing yourself to others and and you're like, gosh, how did they do that? How could that be possible? And we we always like look at where someone finished in the race. Like, wow, that person ran, you know, an amazing marathon. But we don't look at the training where they were training in altitude or underwater for four years to get to that point. And it's it's always interesting to me how often people compare where we are today, but they didn't see what the, the work that went into to where it is. And most people really aren't willing to to put the work in to go to the level that we have and where we're going in the future. And so they they naturally think that we must have done something wrong to get to where we are. Well, maybe it's not even business advice that I got from Chris Lindahl. It was the, the amount of energy a person like that brings into a room. Like every single time that I ask someone over the years, they're like, oh, who was your last realtor? What company they worked for? No one could ever remember the company, but they could remember the realtor at times. Not even always... Uh, they, they couldn't always remember the realtor's name uh, either, but like I have to create a brand around a person because that's what people remember. They remember the person. They don't remember the company. The amount of charisma and personality really, really can drive how you are perceived. If you walk into a room and you're like Eeyore and sad, it really impacts the way people view you and the, impacts the way people feel in general about themselves. I think there's the overall theme amongst lots of my guests is resilience. Um, Each guest had a story of challenge, which, you know, Nikki Kerrigan in, you know, launching her her health uh, and fitness studio, you know, she would have a class and no one would show up. And how do you bounce back from that? Uh, David Fima on failure. And we had, you know, Bill Hanish had stories on, you know, how things just didn't go well for any of these businesses, but all of these people had shared stories of challenge, but they're still around and they bounced back. Um, I think that's kind of like the biggest takeaway I want folks to, to have listening to these episodes is that there's an underlying current of resilience amongst all the guests I have. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Be good to yourself. Be good to your parents. 
and call mom every once in a while. (laughs) Cookie Jar Confessionals is available wherever you get your podcasts. And on Apple, no premium subscription is required. 